Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person one Sunday morning, worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. So today we're going to start a new teaching series, which is called Life Verse. There are 31,102 verses in the Bible. How do I know that? I counted them. All right, I, I went to Google. Okay, so, so there are 31,102 verses in the Bible, and yet for a, a lot of us sitting here today, there are probably, there's probably a verse or a couple of verses that have really impacted our lives and live with us. Is that, is that true? So there's verses that have been very special to us that we hold dear. And what we want to do over the next few weeks is we're going to look at some life verses. Now, um, because the person up here has got the microphone, we're going to look at our life verses. But we appreciate that some of you already responded to something on Facebook and told us yours, and we were running some of those on the loop on the screens before the service started. So I want to start today with a verse that impacted my life 52 years ago. Okay? That's surprising for some of you, right? You didn't know I was that old. So 52 years ago. May is, May is a special month for me in that the fact it was in May of 19... How many years did I say then? I'm lying. It was 57. So in, in May of 1962 was when I committed my life to Christ. In fact, a week tomorrow, May the 13th, will be 57 years ago since I gave my life to Christ. Now, that did make me young. I was young. And a lot of you have heard the story of the background before, but um, just look interested because I'm going to tell it again. So here was I from a, a family that had no real Christian, well, some Christian roots, some background, but really were not active in faith, and uh, started going to a church youth group, then started attending the church on Sundays, and in May of 1962, there was a youth retreat. And so I went with a group of kids from the church, and we went on this retreat to, uh, to this Christian hotel retreat center down uh, on the coast near the beach, and it was a fantastic weekend. I mean, we had a terrific time, uh, great program. Um, we had some guest speakers in who did teaching for us, which was fantastic. The only thing I didn't like is that Saturday afternoon, they designated that everybody was going for a hike. I didn't hike at that age. And so I... Um, I feigned something or other and managed to stay out of that and did something else instead. I was in that Christian environment, and yet there was something in me that kind of was telling me, you're in this, but you haven't got it. And I remember the Sunday morning. We did a Sunday morning service, and then towards the end of the service, we, we did communion. And as the pastor's introducing communion, he said, you know, for every one of you here who's knows the Lord, the, the significance of this is so, so real because you're saying Christ died for me, because you believe Christ died for me, because you know He's your Savior. 
And they used to pass the stuff around for communion, you know, a plate with some crackers on or something, you took a piece and whatever else. And when they came to me, I just passed it on to the next person because I knew I didn't have what they had. And when that service was over, I went back to the room where there were like six teenage boys there. I wasn't even a teenager yet. And there was one guy in his 20s who he was meant to control us all weekend. The poor guy, he went to a therapist on Monday. Um, so I go back to the room and I talk to this guy. He's called Jeff Powell. And uh, Jeff said, hey, that was a great service, wasn't it? I said, yeah, it was, it, was, it was okay. He said, why was it only okay? I said, Jeff, it was okay for all of you, but I haven't really got this yet. And he said, well, do you want to? And I said, I do. He said, well, you've simply got to open your heart to Jesus. And I said, yeah, I, I don't exactly know. He said, let's go down and let's find your pastor. So our pastor was there, and uh, I went and I talked with him, and I, I sat with him. And that was the day I believe my life changed. I, I think he probably showed me a, a, a number of Bible verses. I'm, I'm going to guess here. I reckon he showed me Romans 3.23 that says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and said, Here's the starting point. We're all sinners. I'm pretty sure he probably then went to Romans 6.23 that says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And he said, Because we're sinners, what we're due is death, eternal death. And then I bet he took me to John 3.16, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And, and then I reckon he probably took me to Isaiah 53.5, which says that He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and with His stripes we are healed. The one verse I do know He took me to was the next one, and this is the verse, life verse that I want to talk to you about today. John 1 and verse 12, yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. To all who did receive Him. So, you know, everyone sinned. Everyone's under the sentence of death. God loved us, so He sent the Savior. Jesus bore our punishment, and those who receive Him receive the gift of eternal life. Those who receive Him actually get the right, it says, to become children of God. And that's become the verse on which my life came to be built. Believing that and receiving Jesus. Mark begins his gospel with these words in Mark 1 and verse 1. It says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what I like about that phrase? Is that the 16 chapters of Mark's gospel are not the beginning and the ending of the good news about Jesus. They're the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as I look around here this morning, I see the continuation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that what Jesus started way back then is something that is continuing. And around the world today, there are millions of people in whose lives the gospel is still working. Gospel simply means good news. And the message that Jesus came to bring is the message we continue to share that is still good news for every one of us, and it boils down to this, to everyone who receives Him, 
To those who believe in His name, Jesus gives the right to become children of God. And there are a couple of simple things I want to just pull from that verse this morning and share with you. And the first is this, the gospel is inclusive. The gospel is inclusive. It says, to all who did receive Him. The verse before that says that Jesus came to His own creation, but His own did not receive Him. But it says, but to all who did receive Him. The gospel is an individual, personal thing for everybody. Aren't you glad about that? To all who did receive Him. In the 15th chapter of Luke's gospel, there's one of the best-known stories that Jesus told. We call it the story of the prodigal son. It's the man with two sons, and one of the sons says, I don't want to wait till you die to spend your money. I'd like to do it now, please. So, the father reluctantly gave him what would be his inheritance, and, and he went off, and, and the Bible says that he… Basically, if you read the King James, it says, it says it very politely. It says, he wasted his substance in riotous living. It means actually he hung out with bad people and did bad things. That's what he did. And then he came to a point where the lowest of the low for him as a Jewish person would have been that he was feeding pigs. The money ran out. He had no income. He had nowhere. So he was feeding pigs, and he was like, he, he, was, he was willing for food to eat what the pigs were eating. And in that position, at his lowest possible ebb, his self-worth was in the gutter. It was as low as it could be, his self-image. So here's what it says in Luke 15 and verse 18. So he said to himself, I'll set out and go back to my father. And I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He got so low that he felt, you know what, he, he wasn't even fit to be a son, and he dearly hoped he would at least qualify to be one of his father's servants. He had got so absolutely desperate, he come to the point where he felt he was nobody, and he wondered if there was any hope of any way forward. But you know what that story goes on to show us? Is that those thoughts were in his mind, but they were not in his father's mind. He thought he was nobody. He thought he had blown it. He thought he had not been wanted. And yet the Bible says as he started his journey home, when he was still a long way from home, his father was looking out and he saw him. And I don't think it was by chance because he happened to be there at that time on that day. I get the idea that maybe his father did that on a regular basis. He was looking for and he was longing for his son to come back. Now, what does that mean to you and me? Well, it's simply this. Life can load us down with feelings of our own inadequacies. Easily. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You don't know enough. You don't have enough. Or what about you're not tall enough? You're not slim enough. You're not young enough. 
And, and the thing is this, how we feel impacts how we think, and then it impacts our actions. So when I was a kid in, in, in high school, okay, I was big all of my life. I, 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 and uh, when I was a kid, you know, if you're the big, you know what it's like, I don't know if any of you got like real tall sons, and when people meet your son, they'll say, do you play basketball, right? Because if you're tall, you're meant to play basketball. Or if you've got a son who's a real big guy, they say, do you play football? Because big guys are meant to play football. Well, when it came to kind of sports at school, because I was big, it was like, you can do the shot put. I mean, they weren't going to put me in for the 100 meters or the high jump. It was like, you can do the shot put. Because um, you're the big guy. Big guys do the shot put. So that was what I used to do. And then there came a point where we used to do this big competitive thing once a year, and where different grades competed against each other, and I was in the team for the shot put. I was not good at it. I was there because I was big. And I started thinking, I I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm just not good enough for this. And then I started feeling, you know, this is just going to be so humiliating because how you think affects how you feel. And then you know what I did? And this, 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 I want to, you got, you, got you got no idea how, how incredible this is. I convinced my mother on the day of it that I was sick. I want to tell you, that had to be an Oscar-winning performance to persuade my mother you were sick enough to be off school. And I never went. I never competed. I took myself out of it because in my mind, I didn't think I was good enough and I didn't think I could do it. And in so many ways, it is easy for us to be dogged by a feeling that we aren't good enough. If you come from a some of you will come from a church background where you were constantly reminded not how good God is, but how bad you are. And some of you grew up, and even through your school years, it was a constant thing, reminding you how bad you are. So the danger is then you feel undeserving. You feel as if you really don't belong. And that's why it's important for us to remind ourselves, listen to this, the gospel is inclusive, but to all who received him. The gospel is for everybody. John 3 verse 15, everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. You see the first word of that? Say it with me. Everyone. Right? Anybody excluded there? No. Everyone. Does it matter what our background is? No. It's everyone. Does it matter what our social standing is? No. It's everyone. Does it matter how old we are? Everyone. Does it matter matter what our background has been and where we've been and what we've done? No. Everyone who believes has eternal life. John 3.16, I quoted it earlier, God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever. John 4 verse 14, Jesus said to a lady, He said, whoever drinks the water I give them, He was talking about the life, using water as a symbol of life, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. The water I give them will become will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Whoever drinks the water 
that I give. Whoever will can. You don't discern it. You don't, you don't deserve it. You don't earn it. You just drink it. Right? It's like, here we are. This is not water. This is God's special creation. Diet Dr. Brown's. So here it is. Jesus said, anybody who will can drink. Now, I can start rationalizing and saying, well, I don't really know if that's mine or I don't know if it's for me and uh, I don't know what it's going to do for me and I don't know. And Jesus says, drink, drink. Everybody can drink. It's good. I recommend it. I get through two of those every Sunday and three on Easter Sunday. Whoever drinks. John 11, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Look at this. And whoever lives by believing in me shall never die. Whoever lives, whoever lives, and whoever you are sitting here today, and whatever your story may be, the truth is this, the gospel is for whoever, the gospel is inclusive, it is for to as many as received him, to all who received him. And the truth is this, there is no pre-qualification in this, you come to faith through simply trusting Christ for yourself. Now, I know there are some people who think that's a little bit too easy. It's not easy. It cost God the most precious thing He had, the life of His Son. But He was willing to do that so that we could be His. The gospel is inclusive. That's why it's good news. It's for everybody. And then the next thing I want to say is this. The gospel is invitational to all who did receive Him. To those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. To all who did receive Him. It's simply about believing and trusting. I don't understand the whole thing, to tell you the truth. That might be worrying for you, because you say, aren't you the pastor? Aren't you meant to know these things? I don't understand the whole thing, but I believe it. I believe it. I was, when Charlotte said there are different ways to give, I'm quite fascinated that nowadays you can text your offering, right? So I open texts, I go down here and find text giving, I open up the, you know, I type in. How much should I give? A thousand. Good. All right, $20. <laughs> I type in $20, right? I hit send. And immediately I've got a message back that says, your gift is complete. You gave $20 to general fund. If this was an error, respond. Excuse me while I just respond. All right. <laughs> Now, if I, go, if I go to my emails, I've got an email now that says, thank you for your contribution of $20 from your friends at Genesis Church. I have friends at Genesis Church. Look. <laughs> I have no idea how that all worked, right? I mean, I know what just happened. I texted it. The text was acknowledged. 
it's linked with my debit card, so $20 went out of my bank account, but I've got no idea, right? If you start to, are you with me? Start to think, like, actually, where did this go to, and who, where, um, how did all this happen? Where, where does my text go to, where, where does the acknowledgement come from within two seconds? Where does that email come from? How does that come about? How did they get my money? I've got no idea, but you know what? I trust it. I just do it. And we all do that in different ways with electronic stuff nowadays. If you stop to think how your texting worked, how your email worked, or anything else, I've got no idea how it works, but the fact is this, I know it does. I don't understand all the ins and outs of the gospel, and the Bible doesn't say for everybody who studied hard enough and got to this level of understanding, he gave the gift of eternal life. It simply says for those who received him and for those who believed. It's not about achieving. It's not about even maintaining. It's about receiving Jesus, and you don't have to understand it all. You have to believe. There's a story in the eighth chapter of the book of Acts about Philip, who was, Philip was taken and guided by God to the desert, and he hooked up with a man who was traveling from Jerusalem. And uh, he was reading his Bible, but he didn't understand it. And Philip goes and joins him and asks him, uh, do you understand what you're reading? And the man says, uh, I might if somebody could explain it. So Philip started talking to him about Jesus. And then as they're traveling, the guy says to Philip, look, there's some water here. Is there any reason I shouldn't be baptized? And here's what Philip said in Acts chapter 8 and verse 37. He says, you can if you believe with all your heart. And he, the Ethiopian eunuch, replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The guy didn't know much. All he knew, he'd been taught in the last 10 minutes. But he says, can I be baptized? And Peter says, yeah, you can if you believe. The gospel is invitational. It is to believe and to receive. Some people miss heaven by the space of 18 inches. The difference between head knowledge and heart experience. Now, I didn't just say if you want to be a follower of Christ, you better switch your brain off. But what I am saying is this, we've really got to get on the wavelength God's on, which is our heart level. That's how God primarily communicates with us. Romans 10.10 says this, it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. You believe with your heart, you profess with your mouth. That's why you can't argue people into faith. Some of us spent years trying that, trying to persuade people, trying to convince people. Let me give you seven proofs of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. People aren't interested in the seven proofs of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They're looking for hope. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for strength. They're looking for support in life. And what they need is to actually meet the resurrected Jesus for themselves. You can't talk people into faith, but you can love them there. The heart is the level of 
on which we communicate. The gospel is an invitational thing. Receive, believe. You may be here today and uh, uh, you've never received Christ as your Savior. Well, I want to remind you, number one, the gospel, the good news is for you. It's for all. I want to remind you, secondly, that there's only one thing really you need to do. It's just believe in Christ and receive Him. That's the one thing you need to do. And then the third thing I want to say about the gospel that we see in this verse in John 1.12 is that the gospel is transformational. The gospel is transformational. It changes people. Good. I'm going to say that again. And just to give you a little bit of coaching, that's a good time to say amen, okay? The gospel is transformational. It changes people. Amen. All right, you are here. That's good. But it does, doesn't it? Every one of us sitting here today who knows the Lord will testify to the fact that, you know what, it isn't just that we believe something with our heads. We've touched something of God in our hearts, and it is transforming us. That's the beauty, that's the beauty of it. To all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, look at this, He gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right to become children of God. Who gives us the right? He gives us the right. To those who believe in Him, He gives them the right to become the children of God. So I am here with my pastor. I'm just about a month before my 12th birthday, and he says to me, are you ready to receive Christ as your Savior? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, let's pray together then. Why don't you pray something like this? And he coached me, and, and then after I had prayed, he said, you know, that means that now you have become a child of God. I thought that was, you know, I, I, I was just blown away because I just accepted it. I thought it was terrific. I hoped that that was it now because I was late for lunch. But, <laughs> but it was like, this is it. Who am I? I'm just a kid. But he has given me the right to become a child of God. I, I get to travel a fair bit in different ways. Uh, I remember a few years ago, somebody said to me, it must be nice when you fly here and there, and it's not. It's not. Planes are not nice, right? Planes aren't nice. They're cattle trucks. It's like they weren't meant for human beings. You know, it's… it's not, it, I, I remember the first time… Sorry, the second time I ever went to India. It was uh, 1990, I think. And uh, the first time I ever went to India, and that was, I was in the UK still then, but it was still a heck of a flight from there. And, and um, do you remember back in the day when people used to get dressed for like special occasions? Like going to church? Anyway. <laughs> no, you remember like, like if, my father, if my father went to a sports event, he put on a white shirt and a tie and a jacket, and, right? Or, or, or if you're going to go to the theater, you used to dress to go to the theater, or used to be that you would dress reasonably to fly. And I was going to be leaving Mumbai, Bombay, India, and flying to London, and uh, it was an early morning flight, like one or two o'clock in the morning, so I'm at the airport in Mumbai. Um, I was not particularly dressed to fly, I was dressed for comfort. And I'm sitting at the gate, and we're waiting for it to be boarded, for, for, to board the flight, and um, 
they announced my name, so would I please come to the desk? So I go to the desk, and they said, uh, we've changed your seat. And I said, no, you can't do that. I came here early to get a specific seat where at least I'd have a marginal amount of more leg room. And they said, well, we actually wanted to upgrade you to first class. I said, well, if I could help you out, I'd really like to do that. <laughs> and, and so when we came to boarding, it was kind of amusing um, because like the guys who were traveling first class were dressed first class. And then here's me. And I'm strolling along there, but in my ticket, I've got my boarding pass to first class, and I don't know whether I kind of felt like some of them were looking at me, like thinking, who's he? What's he doing in here? But you know what that ticket in my hand told me? I had the right to sit in the middle of you people. To everyone who received and believes in Jesus, he gives the right to become children of God. It doesn't matter where we've been. It doesn't matter what we're carrying. But he gives the right to become the children of God. And it's totally his right to give, our blessing to receive. And that's what God does for everyone who believes in him. 1 John 3 verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. How do you become a child of God? You receive, you believe. Who can do that? Everybody can do that. To all who received, we become the children of God by right. And on May the 13th, 1962, I prayed in the corner of the conference room in that retreat center. And from that day to this day and forever, I'm a child of God. Not because I'm anything, but because He's everything. My, my life verse to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Now, let me say this. You remember what I was saying? I was at that retreat, and I felt I'm like in it, but I hadn't got it. I was there, but it wasn't in here. And you might be sitting here in service this morning, and that's you. You're here, and you're glad you're here. You wanted to be here, obviously. But you know it's not really in here. And how does that happen? To all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. How does that happen? It happens simply by you this morning saying, Lord Jesus, I recognize You as my Lord and Savior. I trust You. I believe You. I don't understand it all but I receive you as my Lord and my Savior, and I give my life to you. And the miracle, the miracle of new birth happens. We become the children of God. Let's just bow our heads and pray together for a moment, could we?